Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Come on, give God a great shout. Come on. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, a great shout for a great God. A faith shout, believing this year is going to be the greatest year of your life. Hallelujah! Oh, come on, I believe it. I believe it. I'm just going to clap a little bit, praise a little bit, bless God a little bit, believing. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you right now that we are standing in the house of God. Father, we know for, for many, many decades, Hollywood has had the, the title of being the, the place where dreams come true. Disney, the place of dreams. But Father, we know that it has always been your house. Your house is the house of dreams. Jacob dreamed a dream and he saw a ladder going up to heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending upon it. He saw fourth dimension, spiritual dimension activity, angels working. And then above it, he saw the Lord. And God, you spoke to him and you said, Jacob, all the land that you lie on, I am giving to you and to your descendants and I will be with you. And when he woke up, he says, my God, God is in this place and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? And the Bible says he built an altar there and he called it Bethel, the house of God. The house of God has always been a place of dreams. It has always been a place of spiritual activity has always been a place where the impossible becomes possible. And Father, I thank you. Awaken on the inside of us today unrealized dreams. Help us to dream the impossible dream. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Before you're seated, can we welcome South Campus Online? It is great to be with Pastor Drew and Pastor Emma, Rudy, the Mexican cutie, Gladys. The Valdezes, Annika, you're the amazing South team. We love you guys. God bless you. You may be seated. Also, welcome all the people online. Come on, let's welcome them. Fantastic. Praise God. It is great. I know that we've got people from Canada, A, from Germany, Deutschland. Wie geht es dir? Good. Hoffentlich. And uh, anyway, great to have people from watching from all over the world. Today is Vision Sunday. How many people are excited about Vision Sunday? And uh, in just a moment, we're going to be uh, praying over and anointing these cards. You should have one of these on your seats. I want to encourage you, get it out now. It's not a bad idea to start getting used to taking notes in church. Uh, there are some, sometimes I just put my notes down because I know that my spirit just needs to catch. And while I'm writing, I'm distracted. But other times I'll, I'll write things down in my journal sitting in church. I, I struggle actually being in a meeting without writing something down. Uh, there was a really great band in Australia called In Excess. And one of my favorite songs was a song called Listen Like Thieves. Everybody down on their knees. Uh, uh, uh. Listen like thieves and who need. And I thought, man, they wanted. I wasn't. I think I'd just gotten saved when that song came out. And I thought, man, that's that's what I need to do when I go to church. I need to listen like a thief. Listen like a thief. Listen to steal something. I'm oh, I'm taking that. Wow, that's. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. Listen like a thief. Get something in your spirit. If you just made a decision every week. Even if it's only once a month, if just once a month you got one thing from heaven that you were putting into your life, 2,000 people won't recognize you this time next year. They're like, what happened to you? I was in the house of God and I decided I'm going to listen like a thief. I'm going to steal something from the Word of God every Sunday, put it in my spirit and begin to walk it out in my life. You watch what will begin to happen. But we want you to get this vision card. We want you to write 
on, on your vision card, your vision for this year. And, uh, but I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to be under pressure to do it now because you may just write it too small. You may just write too small. If you're watching online, just grab a piece of paper. It'll do just as well as our vision cards. And, uh, but I'm going to just share five areas, five areas, five specific areas where God said to the children of Israel to see. Now, let me give you some context. In Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus goes into the synagogue. This is at the very, very beginning of His ministry. And the Bible says that they open the scroll to the reading of that day and they ask Jesus to come up and read the, the scroll. And He gets up and He reads the words of Isaiah. And He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he said, you know, today this is fulfilled in your, your hearing. And he sat down. And, and what's quite interesting is that, that that is the anointing. That is the spirit that rests on Jesus that, that equipped and empowered his ministry. Now, I need you to understand Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but his, his work is still carrying on. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he won't come kind of pushing himself. He's going to come to point to me. So Jesus today is commissioning the church to preach the good news to the destitute, to the broken, to the lost, to the poor. We preach the good news. So many people respond. We see the Billy Grahams. We saw these big crusades where people respond to the good news and they get saved. The sad thing is that a lot of churches just leave people there. We're just kind of that, that first line. We leave people there. The, the, the next thing that happens once you get saved, anybody gotten saved in here? Once you get saved, the next thing that happens, you need to understand the next thing that happens is that Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. And you may think, ah, oh, you know, I know someone who went through a really horrific divorce. Well, you know, it's not just people who went through a horrific divorce that are brokenhearted. I found that it's pretty much impossible not to actually have internal damage in this life because of just the nastiness and the negativity and belittling and bullying and bemeaning people who say things and, you know, do things. And without even realizing there's stuff that's damaged on the inside. Here's the truth. Life is lived from the inside out. Okay, you're looking at me with that look again. Okay, uh, you, you are conceived in the unknown, the Bible says, in the hidden parts. You were conceived in the womb. When, when, you, when you were formed in your womb, you were formed from the inside out. The last thing that, that is formed is, is your skin and all the externals. The, the beginning is all your internal organs. Your, your life begins from the inside out. Life is lived from the inside out. And so Jesus has to heal the brokenhearted because believe it or not, we live from the inside out. We live, we view the world out of our pain. We, we view the world out of our injustice. We view the world out of our abuse. We view the world over what nasty people have said about us. You're hopeless, you're useless, you're never going to amount to it. And so we live out of that. So the first thing that's going to happen is in the house of God we don't just preach the gospel to get you saved the next thing is you need to understand you're on a journey for God to bring healing on the inside of you how do you know when you're healed you'll know when you're healed because you believe what you read when you read the word of God what it says about you come on how many people know that I can do everything this says I can do I can have everything this says I can have I can accomplish everything this says I can accomplish I am who this says I am when you get to that point now you're healed. Once it's healed, recovery of sight to the blind. So God doesn't want to just say, okay, now you're healed from all the damage of the past. Recovery of sight to the blind. God wants you to have vision. God wants you to move forward with vision. And that's the part that we're going to zero in, in, in on today. So five areas of vision. Five areas of vision. So the first one, the first one is in Genesis 29. Now these are five distinct moments in the Old Testament where God specifically interrupts the narrative and uses the word see. Now, when God asks you to see something, He's trying to get our attention. I want you to see. 
I want you to see. So the first one is in Genesis 1, verse 29. Genesis 1, verse 29. And the Lord said to Adam or said to man, See, I have given you every herb. Now, I know we say herb down under, but here we say herb because I know you all wear hats on your head to cover your hair. But down under, we say herb because we wear hats on our head to cover our hair. But, you know, anyway, and so... Every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every fruit tree bearing seed within itself, to you it shall be for food. To you it shall be for food. So when God says see, He's asking you to see something that is not apparent. It's not immediately visible. The Bible says, out of the ground the Lord God caused every tree to grow before He made man. So by the time Adam is introduced to the garden, the trees are fully mature. There weren't little seedlings or saps, otherwise Adam would starve to death. The the apple trees had apples on them. The orange trees had oranges on them. The pineapple trees had pineapples on them. To Adam, it was for food. But when you and I look at an orange, we just see the, the, the orange peel. We see the shell. God had to say to Adam, Adam, I need you to see that in everything that I've created, my signature is seed. To you it shall be for food. So number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, the first thing God wants you to see is He wants you to see process. He wants you to see process. In 1798, sadly, an Anglican minister from the United Kingdom wrote a book called The Population Bomb. He wrote this paper, Thomas Malthus. And Thomas Malthus believed that Back then there was only 800 million people, but he believed that, the, that already we were, we were frightfully exhausting all the resources and planet Earth was in peril and we couldn't go on because we're consuming all the resources. Today we have nine times that many people. We have 7.2 billion people. But the, the whole theory was there's only a certain amount of resources and man, with the population growing, we're going to consume, we're going to devour all the resources and then everyone's going to starve. There's going to be a worldwide famine. Well, that's very easy to write when you depart from what the Bible says. When you depart from the Bible says. And you may say, well, hang on, Pastor. Uh, you know, there's, there's food shortages and famines and all kinds of stuff. You'll find that in every single situation, it's a violation of what God very, very first Adam to see. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 1.27, God made man, which tells us whatever God says, he does. God never says something as, oh, I was just kidding. No, what God says, He does. 127. So the Lord made man in His image and His likeness. Genesis 128 then says, And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. So God said, Be fruitful and multiply. God didn't just tell Him to be fruitful and multiply. And then, oh, I wasn't thinking about Then verse 29, God says, now see, I've given you every herb, every plant, every every fruit tree bearing seed within itself to you, it shall be for food. In other words, Adam, if you eat all the the watermelon, I love watermelon, and you finish the last watermelon, and you go to to God like a little Oliver Twist, please, sir, can I have more? More? God's saying, Adam, I need you to see process. Even though when you look at a watermelon, all you see is the green shell, I need you to see that inside I've put seed. Now, if you don't like watermelon, don't plant a whole lot of seeds. But whatever you like, if you like oranges, if you like pineapples, if you like apples, if you like whatever you like, is you can have as much or as little, but it's up to you. If you eat it all, don't come running to me asking for more. I'm putting you in dominion. I've given you dominion. We all want dominion. We just don't want the responsibility. But dominion and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. If you say, yes, I want dominion, you've got to accept responsibility. So it says, Adam, I'm giving you responsibility. If you you don't plant seeds, then it's going to be a very, very difficult winter coming up. It's going to be very, but if you plant seed, man, you're going to be living in abundance. So, so let's imagine there's only one orange tree, just one. And let's imagine it only produces a hundred oranges. And those hundred oranges maybe have three seeds in them. That's 300 seeds. So Adam can now, just in one year, and that's, that's pretty low for, for an orange tree. Adam can now plant literally 300 orange trees. 
that produce, let's just say only 100. So now, now that's 30,000. 30,000 oranges with three seeds in, that's 90,000. So in just two cycles, in just two cycles, he's already got 90, he's got an entire orange orchard. The only time there is famine, there's only time there is lack is when we transgress, when we violate God's word. It is, it is infinite and it works for everybody. It works for everybody. You may say, well, hang on, pastor. That's only for the wealthy. No, it works for everybody. Well, pastor, that's only for you because you're German. No, it works for everybody. It works for the Australians as well. I think, I hope. Anyway, it, it works for everybody. It works, it doesn't matter your nationality, it doesn't matter your background. That's why God said see. Now you need to understand that God is, God is a, a, a process God. All the way through your Bible, you will read these words and it came to pass in the process of time. God uses time to process things. Believe it or not, right now God is processing you. God is processing you. It's so important that this is the first thing that you see because when we face difficulty, when we experience disappointment, when we, when we travel through loss or pain, the first thing that we do is we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we think it's all hopeless. We, but God's like, no, 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 I need you to see process. When Adam took the seed and he put it in the ground, it disappears. It has disappeared from view. I'm going to bury it in the ground and cover it over. How do I, how do I know it's going to grow? God's like, just trust my, but I can't see it grow. Just trust. What's going on under the ground? Just trust. There, there, are, there are going to be moments in your life where you can't see, but you've got, to, you've got to trust the processes of God. You've got to trust the faithfulness of God. You've got to trust that God is for you, not against you, that His Word's going to come to pass, but there are going to be moments where it's under the seed. We see this all the way through. Joseph had a dream, but he goes through a process where he, he is sold by his brothers, thrown into a pit, then sold to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites take him down to Egypt. They sell him to Potiphar. The gavel comes down and now his property of Potiphar, Pharaoh's chief executioner, he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. So this man who has a dream of the sun, moon and stars bowing before him, a man who has a dream of, of, of the sheaves bowing before him now is in complete reverse. He's a slave in Egypt in a foreign land. It gets worse because he gets accused of trying to rape his master's wife, which he didn't do. She was trying to seduce him. And then when she realized she got caught in the penalty in Egypt for adultery was death. And so he knew if he proved her wrong, she was going to die. He, he felt sorry for this broken woman. So he zipped it.com and instead went to prison for a crime he didn't commit. And, and in the prison, in the prison, Joseph was still faithful in the prison because he could see the processes of God. Let me explain it. Joseph at 17 could dream and see because he was wearing a coat of his father's favor, seated at the right hand of his father at the table of plenty, at the, at the banqueting table, he could dream the dreams of God. But could he still dream the dreams of God in disappointment? Could he still dream the dreams of God in betrayal? Could he still dream the dreams of God in a foreign land? Could he still dream the dreams of God in difficulty? Could he still dream the dreams of God when everything seemed hopeless? Because Joseph's destiny was one of interpreting the dreams of another man. His job was to be a dream interpreter. It's easy to dream. It's easy to believe God when you're seated at the table of plenty, favor, and abundance. But God will process you because the depth of being able to secure a crisis like a famine, seven years of famine, the grip the Middle East can only happen if in the depths of your prison cell, in the depths of your betrayal, in the depths of false accusation, in the depths where everything seems hopeless, you still dream because you can see the process of God. God is processing me. God is processing me. God makes all things work together for good. You need to understand that God has neither forgotten nor has He forsaken you. He's just processing you. 
He gave you a dream on the mountaintop, but he develops it in the valley. He gave you a dream at the banqueting table, but he's developing it in the prison. He's putting the internal fortitude that no, no devil in hell can stand against it because it was forged. It was forged on the anvil of disappointment. It was forged on the anvil of betrayal. It was forged when everybody else would have given up. You kept dreaming because you could see the process of God. The process of God. So number one, see the process of God. I'm being a little bit naughty, but I'm running out of time again. But I wanted to preach that. Was that a good point? Good, okay. The 8.30 crowd didn't get it, but I'm like, ah, oh, there's so much good stuff. All right, number two, number two, number two. I need, we want you to see God's promises. See God's promises. This is very different. I'm going to show you. Genesis 13, 14 to 15. Bible says, Lot and Abraham have separated, have parted ways because the land couldn't sustain both of them. So when Lot had left, Lot's name means veil. Lot represented compromise in Abraham's life. That's why last week we had Shredder Sunday. Get rid of all the compromise. Get rid of all the compromise. Get rid of Lot. Get rid of the compromise. And a veil was moved. Now Genesis 13, 14 and 15. And the Lord said to Abraham, uh, Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for the, all the land which you, come on somebody, all the land which you see, I give to you and to your descendants forever. All the land which you see, I give to you. All the land that you see, I give to you. In other words, if you don't see it, I can't give it. All the land that you see, I give to you. What you don't see, you can't have. He's saying to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Don't, 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 don't have a little vision. Pastor John and I, February last year, were at the, the Dream City Conference in Phoenix, Arizona with Pastor Tommy and Pastor Luke Barnett and they, they do this, on the last night, they do this vision anointing service. And so, so they get us to take one of these vision cards, wherever mine is, somewhere. Anyway, they take one of the vision cards. It's okay. It's under my Bible, is it? Oh, there it is. I knew it was there somewhere. There it is. They take one of these vision cards. And then, you know, you've got to fill it out. And then you go up and you anoint it. You know, I'm kind of feeling like, well, you know, it's for everybody else. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, nothing. It's like, why aren't you writing anything? I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Lord, you know, I'll, I'll just do with that. Just bless these other people. There are thousands of people. I'm thinking there are thousands of people all asking God for something. I've got four kids. Dad, can I have all one? And, and then they're fighting. Where do you guys want to go you know, for dinner? I want Chipotle. No, in and out. No, Chipotle. And they're fighting. They can't even agree. They all want it. They can't agree. I'm like, shut up. You know, and so... And then God's got thousands, thousands. I'm like, I don't want to bother God. And the Holy Spirit says, you're not, he says, you know what bothers God? I'm like, what? He says, pastors of little faith that ask for nothing. Now, listen, I'm German. You don't say that to a German. But the Holy Ghost, he knows how to push your buttons. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 you want me to write something then? Oh, give me a pen, John. I'm writing something. So I start writing. And then the Holy Spirit, he, he taunts me again. He goes, oh, is that it? I'm like, well, I don't want to bother God. He says, you insult God when you ask for little things. Well, I'm only asking for something little because, you know, I want to make it easy for you, God. You're probably tired. You're, you're probably strained. And so the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Are you trying to, do you really think that it pleases God? Well, thank God you're going to ask me for something small and easy. <laughs> you know what compliments God when you believe in his power? When you believe that with God, all things are possible. God, I'm going to, I'm going to dare to ask you. Abraham at 99 dared to believe that his 90 year old wife and him being 99 could conceive. And the Bible says, and God accredited that as righteousness. Just that one act is as good as him living a perfect, holy life his entire life. You, you better believe that God has high esteem for faith. And so I said, all right, okay. <laughs> so I said, give me a new card. And I wrote on there, all right, what about this? 16 campuses. <laughs> Thinking the ghost like, ah, oh, I didn't read that big. 
So I'm, you know, carried up the top of the hill. I get there and I didn't believe it. I'm just like, you know, I was just kind of, you know, being naughty to God, you know. 16 campuses, what do you think of that? But you regret that now, Holy Spirit. And then, you know, we pray over it and I'm holding it up, kind of inside, inside laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and then as we walk down to the bottom of the mountain, like 25 oh hang on let's just do a 16 so I don't kill the staff but I was, it went from there to here now now I close my eyes and I can see it I close my eyes and I can see it but watch this here's the difference the the the, the Disney Hollywood doctrine is don't let anyone stand in the way of your dreams you know can I just tell you this Andre the Giant may have had a dream to be a jockey. It ain't gonna happen. That's why point number two is see the promises of God. Because you have the capacity to dream. The devil knows you have the capacity to dream. He knows that the Spirit of God has been poured out on all the earth. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams. He knows that people are dreaming. So what he wants to try and do is hijack you so you dream your dreams. You dream carnal dreams. You dream dreams. The most dangerous people on planet earth are the people who see God's promises, who see the promises of God. God says, lift up your eyes and see. For all the land that you see, I'm giving to you and to your descendants. And your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Right now, Abraham has zero descendants at this particular time. And right now, the Bible says he's a sojourner in a foreign land. Right now, he's an immigrant. Right now, he, he's living in a land. He owns nothing. And God says, everything you see all the way that way. Everything you see all the way that way. Everything you see all the way that way. And that way, I'm giving to you. This is trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in real estate can I just encourage you you have the power to dream but for goodness sake don't do this to yourself don't just dream a you dream get God's promises and allow God's promises to begin to forge a dream because if God's promised it he will fulfill it if God's promised it he will fulfill it somebody say amen man there's so much more I can say on that all right number three how you hanging in there south come on south give me a roar I can hear it okay thank you in faith. All right, number three, number three. This is a powerful one. Number three, I need you to see your identity. See your identity. If I got up here and I had a Nike sweater and then I, and then I, and then I got, you know, a sticker and I put over the top of it Reebok. And then I try to say, hey, you want a Reebok sweater? And you're like, but the tag says Nike. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I changed it. You don't have the right to change it. Why not? Because Nike made it. It's a Nike sweater. Most people live with a sticker. You don't have the right to put a sticker over your life. Oh, no, 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 pastor, I, I hear what you're saying, but no, no, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a reject. Uh, I'm less than. No, I, ha I had a high school teacher that said I'm never going to amount to much, so I've got never amount to much. Oh, no, no, my dad said I was an accident, so I've got, you know, I'm an accident. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. My Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image and in our, in our likeness. I'm not sure if you realize this, but if I was to take you right now into the spirit realm, the angels and the demons recognize who you are. They read your tag. You know what your tag says? Made in God's image and in God's likeness. made in God's image and in God's likeness. They look at you and they see that you're sons and daughters of the Most High God. The problem is the devil's lied to us and we wear, we, we put stickers over the top of God's label and we're hopeless, useless, never amount to much, broken, secondhand junk, leftover pieces, unwanted. No, no, no. Who told you? First question God says to Adam, who told you you were naked? 
Who told you you were less than? Who told you you ought to be ashamed? Who told you you would never amount? Who told you you were displeasing to me? Who told you? We live, so watch what God does to, to, to Moses. Exodus 3, he appears to Moses with his mission. For four chapters, Moses is, is just piping off. He's listening to God, all the disqualifications because he's 80. He murdered a guy, he regrets it. He never had a papa in his life because he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter who kind of coddled him. So he's got, he's, got, he's got temper issues, he's got daddy issues. For the last 40 years, he just kind of got married, had a couple of kids and, and just served Jethro, the Midianite, the priest of Midian, the father-in-law. He's just kind of just a shepherd. So he's giving God a list of all these disqualifications. Finally, after four chapters of God's back and forth with, with Moses, God's done. And so have a look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. God says to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. I need you to stop seeing what the world has told you you are. I need you to stop seeing your failures. Stop seeing your past. Stop seeing your mistakes. Stop seeing your limitation. Stop seeing your stammering lips. Stop seeing your dysfunctions. Stop seeing your lack of education or education. Stop seeing all of that. I need you to see. I have made you as God to Pharaoh. You need to see who God has made you. You are who God made you. When I went to, when I went to Bible school, if I was honest with you, I was, I was so excited because I got radically saved, powerfully saved. You know, dad was an atheist. I was powerfully saved. And honestly, when I went to Bible school, I thought, man, I'm going be, to be such a gift to the kingdom. <laughs> and within like 24 hours, I realized, oh, I don't even belong. You know, it's like, you know, I'm a jack wagon. I, I didn't realize just how jacked up I was. And so God then began to, to peel away the layers and begin to show me all the stuff that was broken on the inside. And then I'm like, I went from, I'm a gift of the kingdom to, I don't even know if the kingdom can even, you know, use me. And, uh, and then God gave me a strategy. He says, I need you to find you in here. Have you ever wondered why? You know, when Jesus gets baptized, he comes up out of the water and an audible voice, God says, you are my son, Simba. I mean, you are my son <laughs> in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is then driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted. If I was the devil and an audible voice said to Jesus, you're my, I, would have, I would have scratched that off the temptation list. All right, I was going to tempt him on his identity, but no point now. I'm going to tempt him with Vegas. I'm going to tempt him with cussing. And Jesus, you ever smoked one of these? Makes you happy through all seasons. Of, I mean, that's what that would be me. Tempting Jesus, but not, not the devil. Three times the devil says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are. And I'm like, why would the? Because he knows if he can unravel identity, he can destroy destiny because your identity and your destiny are two sides of the same coin. So the reason the devil goes after it, because watch this, because Jesus, like you and like me, had to find his identity in here. Jesus, come on, how many people know was, was conceived by a virgin? So it wasn't the seed of an, a human, it was the seed of God had gone into a virgin's womb and she's now with child. She brings forth her firstborn, wraps him in swaddling cloths and lays him in a manger as a baby, as a vulnerable little infant. He has to grow up in a home where Mary has brothers and sisters and he grows up in this home. But he's known as the carpenter's son. Even when Jesus came to his hometown, the Bible says he could do no mighty works there because they were offended at him. And they said, is this not the carpenter's son? Where then does he get this authority for miracles? They couldn't see beyond his history. He constantly heard he was the carpenter's son. Everything around him said he was the son of Joseph. He was the carpenter's son. But one day, John the Baptist, who Jesus called the greatest prophets of all the prophets, pointed him out on the Jordan River and says, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He confirmed, he echoed 
What Jesus had been suspecting in his quiet times, had been suspecting when he read the scriptures that he just quite possibly was the Mishiach, was the Messiah, the one to come and break the power of the devil. But oh, hang on, how, how could that be? I was born in, and as Jesus began to read the scriptures, he would be born in Bethlehem, but you Bethlehem of Ephrathah are not forgotten, are not forsaken, that he would come out of G Egypt. Mary would tell him the stories of Herod killing all the, the children that had to flee to Egypt. And he sees it again in the scripture. Jesus discovered his identity through what he read in the word of God. God said to me at Bible college, he says, you need to, I need to do an overhaul. You need to throw off how you see you. And I need you to see you the way I see you. I need you to see you the way I see you. So I had scriptures and I wrote them out and I stuck them on my mirrors and I stuck them on my walls. And every time I had to brush my teeth, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to say this, that I am the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. If God be for me, who or what can be against me? That he rejoices over me with singing. I've chosen you. I've, see, I've engraved your names into the pile. And I remember just going, oh God, this is silly. I feel so weird. Like if anybody walks in, they're gonna think I'm weird. And so true story, I said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how long do I have to do this? I thought it was like, you know, maybe a week project or a three-week project. And God said to me, how long do you do this? Till you believe it. You are not who they have said you are. God is not a liar. You are who God says you are. You need to see your identity. Number four, you need to see your territory. You need to see your territory. God said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king, it's mighty men of valor. This year I need you to see your territory. You need to see what God has given you. Joshua is standing in front of Jericho. It's a city whose walls were so high, so thick, chariots could race around on top. It, it was 40 years of the finest engineers the finest construction materials available to man back then. In fact, their motivation for building Jericho and fortifying it was because they heard the Lord dried up the Red Sea. They said, if a God who can dry up a Red Sea is bringing His people, we better get the greatest architects, the greatest engineers. How do we fortify ourselves? They said, listen, our city, this city is so impregnable that when they come through and God is giving them this, they'll have to go around the greatest engineers signed off on it. Almost like the engineers said, not even God could sink the Titanic. It was one of those moments. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, you don't even need to, to get a wrecking ball. You don't need to get a ramming rod. All you need to do is circle the city and shout, for I have given you the city. But watch this. God had to say to Joshua, see. Because what everyone saw was impossible. What everyone saw was amazing engineering. What everyone saw was an impregnable fortress. But God said, if you're the man of God, you can't see impossible. You can't see difficulty and let difficulty define your vision. You need to see like Superman with x-ray eyes. Joshua's like, who's Superman? God's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> Wrong century. <laughs> he says, I need you to see through the walls. See that I've given Jericho its king. Right now, he, the king sits on his throne, <laughs> thinking it's impregnable and impossible. I need you to see that king. The walls have come down and he is groveling on his hands and knees. His crown has been cast from him and he is begging for mercy, begging for you to spare his life. I need you to see I've given Jericho, I've given its king and its mighty men of valor into your hand. You've got to see territory. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor, with third generation welfare. Don't look at the walls. Close your eyes and see you're the one to break the welfare cycle. Pastor, you don't understand the house prices in San Diego. We'll never own a home in San Close your eyes and see. Do, do, do you know that there's not an angel every year that gets up and says, uh, faith no longer works in the following areas. The following cities are now too difficult for God to provide. 
New York City, San Francisco, the Bay Area, San Diego, and Bel Air. I mean, he doesn't say that. My Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. My Bible says that God gives the wicked the job of gathering that he may give it to him who is good before God. But if you don't see it, you can't have it. So you've got to see it. Seeing it is an act of faith. When we came to San Diego, you heard the story. I'm like, God, I can't, I can't. How, who, I don't. Remember, Mary, I know not a man. And the, and the angel had to say, you don't need a man, sweetheart. Um, excuse me, I did biology. <laughs> Babies need a man. <laughs> and it's like, uh, unless God's involved, yeah. the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There are things that everyone has told you, you need to know a man. When we came to San Diego, I know not a man. I don't know, I didn't know anybody in the city. Who's going to come? I don't know any millionaires. How are we going to get buildings? But I saw buildings, I saw buildings, I saw buildings. Today we, we occupy five buildings and we own four. But I'm, you know, and it's him. But my job, my job was just to believe. My job was just to dare to see. You got to see your territory. Last one. Last one, you'll love this one. See dominion. See dominion. You have to see dominion. Don't see victim. Don't see slave. Don't see defeated. Don't see downtrodden. God comes to Jeremiah, who's maybe anywhere from 9 to 13 years of age. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were brought forth, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's like, dude, I'm just a youth. And God said, do not say that you're a youth. I'm sending you. Watch this. He says, see, I have this day set you over nations, over kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. What are you living under that God has called you to rule over? Now, that's Jeremiah 1.10. If you skip back one verse, Jeremiah 1.9. Jeremiah 1.9, the Bible says, The Lord reached forward, touched Jeremiah's mouth and says, See, I've put my word in your mouth this day. God created everything by His word. You and I are the vice regents of God. If you will take His word and arm your mouth with His word. How did Jesus defeat the devil? He took God's word. It is written. The devil had to back off. Second attack from the devil. It is written. You're at your most powerful when his word lives in your mouth. So the Bible reaches, the Bible says that God reached forward and touched Jeremiah's lips and says, Behold, I put my word in your mouth. Now, boy, see, see that I've set you over. The word of God rules over. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. When you don't speak, man, I'm hopeless, man, I'm used. We're never going. Well, don't, no, 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 no. Don't. Your mouth is armed. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch this. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You don't want to eat the fruit of, we'll never own a home in San Diego. We're never going to get bread. Man, life is never. You, you don't want to eat that fruit. Just, just change the words. When you put His Word in your mouth, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Put His Word in your mouth. God gives the wicked the job of gathering that He may give it to him who is good before God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. When you speak His Word, you're going to love that fruit. You're going to love that fruit. It'll cause you to see that God has set you over. You were created to have dominion. You were not created to be dominated. The kingdom of God is the king's dominion. Now, now I know I'm out of time, so we're going to pray in a sec. But, but let, let me just ask you. In a kingdom, who has all authority? The king. Okay. So a kingdom just literally means the king's dominion. The king's dominion. So if you go to somebody's kingdom, the United Kingdom, the queen has authority over the United because she's, she's the, the, the royalty, she's on the throne. In the kingdom of God, God is the one with all authority. So if 
if a king sends a messenger with the king's seal on the scroll, when they open the scroll and the scroll reads from the hand of the messenger, the king is taking this territory and he wants these houses and this city and this river will be now used for the benefit and the glory of the king. Nobody can say anything. They have to just whatever the king asks. Now, if the messenger has put on his shoes back to front, does it matter about what's in the message? If the messenger just finished smoking a cigar, does it change what? It's got nothing to do with the status of the messenger. But you better believe the messenger. You and I are the subjects. That's why the greatest thing you can be is servant of the Most High God. Because you and I as servants of the Most High God are invited to the throne. Do you know what happens at the throne? The king sits on the throne in all authority and all power. And if you're close enough to the throne, he'll speak to you. All you got to do is take the word that he spoke to you, put it in here, and you can go throughout all his realm. Do you know there is no place where his realm, there is no place where his realm is limited. There is no place where his realm does not have jurisdiction. You and I can travel throughout all his realm, and all you got to do is, Thus saith the Lord, it is written. God has said, when you begin to speak that, Anyway, just trying to encourage you this morning. There's so much more in the Word of God, but I am way out of time. Did you receive that this morning? South, I want you to get your, your vision card, and I'm going to invite Pastor Drew and Pastor Emma onto the stage right now, and they're going to pray over you. And, but I want you to right now get a, get, a, get a pen, and I want you to write, and I want you to go audacious. I want you to go bold. You have a big God. You have a good God. If you looked at the last 10 years of me filling these out, honestly, you would say, oh, you filled those out afterwards, Pastor. I promise you I didn't. I filled them out beforehand, not even believing half the time. Oh, that's a little bit crazy. Oh, I hope nobody sees this. And I stand back. God is looking to move in your life. Now listen to me, listen to me. How many people know that God is a God of compassion? God is a God of compassion. I need you to hear me. Jesus walked past a lot of people in need. He was leaving Jericho. He was leaving Jericho and there were blind beggars on the side of the road. One of those beggars said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus kept walking. The crowd tried to silence him. He's a religious guy. He doesn't have time to deal with nameless beggars like you. The Bible says, blind Bartimaeus cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. He would not have stopped had blind Bartimaeus not have persisted in calling out. So he stops and commands him to be called. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he saw. Now watch this. You need to understand God has compassion for the broken. God has compassion for the hurting. But his power is not released by need. His power is released by faith. It will not fit in the prism that you have allowed the world to form. The world has violated the, the second commandment. You shall not make God in an image that you like Him to look like. You and I don't get that privilege. You and I don't get a quill and say, God, we're just going to make a few adjustments here and changes to you. We think that you ought to be moved by need. You and I don't get the, that's why it's the second commandment. The greatest thing you can do is accept God as He is. And you need to understand when you learn that, it'll empower you. That God loves people. That God is, God is merciful and compassionate, but He's looking for faith. That's why our job is to preach the gospel. 
to those areas so the people with need cry out to a God. That's why I want you to write something on here because you may need a home. You may need to get pregnant. You may, you may, you may need to, to end the cycle of miscarriage. You may need to, to break the cycle of divorce. You may need to break the cycle of generational welfare. You may need to break the cycle, but nothing's gonna shift until you go to a place of, you know, I'm just gonna ask, I'm gonna write it on here. I'm gonna believe God this year that I'm gonna be the one, I'm gonna be the end to the succession of brokenness, to the succession of abuse and divorce and dysfunction. It's gonna finish with it, it finishes with. Write it on here, God is moved by faith. So come on, take take a minute and and write out your, your vision card. Once you've written it out, there's a powerful anointing. I want you to stand to your feet. Once you've written it out, once you've written it out, I want you to stand to your feet and lift it up because the power of God is here. You'll see that there's my mission for 218. There are three slots on there three spots. I want you to write on there three people you're believing are going to come to God. And listen, don't be afraid to go to the impossible. The atheist in the cubicle next door is probably the most likely to get saved out of all your work colleagues right now. The guy who looks like a Christian who isn't yet, he's, he's going to be the toughest because he already thinks he's so good. It might be a relative, might be a friend, might be a neighbor, might be a college buddy or a high school friend or somebody dear to you. A barista you just met, a hairdresser, somebody God laid on your heart. Put those three on there. Put those three on there. Once you fill, fill this out, take it home and stick it on your fridge. And every time you go past, just reach your hand out towards it. And then just prophesy, just speak and say, God's taking care of these. 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 Come on, you ready? Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I declare that all things, come on, all things are possible with you. And Heavenly Father, today, I make the decision that I am with you. You are with me, that I am your child, your servant. Father, and I commit these things to you, knowing that the realm of the impossible is possible with God. That Ephesians 3.20 says that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think according to the power at work in me. Come on, one more time. I believe that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think according to the power at work in me. Come on, give God a shout. Come on, give Him a shout. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.